0: Thank you, Ethan, for joining us and for everyone else joining us in the room. Welcome. You're listening to the 24th episode of uh, Fintech Cafe. Um, so as Ambika had, was telling me, Silver Jubilee, where we did it at TA. Um, <laughs> say, uh, please check out our website, fint- fintechcafe.org, for our previous episodes. And obviously, after today, Ethan will be posting this episode as well. Um, A quick reminder of the session format, typically we do about 30 minutes of structured discussion uh, where Ambika and I, um, Ethan, you'll be fielding questions from us. Um, And then the second half of the call, 30 minutes, uh, we will invite our um, audience members uh, to join us on stage to share their perspectives. Um, uh, Please do remember, this is an inclusive audience, so if you feel like uh, FinTech is not your topic, uh, don't feel like you would need to hold back. Uh, definitely share your questions either by coming on stage or uh, using the back channel. Um, if you're new to clubhouse and maybe some of you are with the party hats, um, if you want to ask a question, all you have to do is um, click the hand button at the bottom of the sc- screen uh, to join us uh, during the second half of the call. A disclaimer, um, Amika and I have full-time jobs within the financial services space Our employees are not associated with the show. Uh, We're not endorsing any products. Our intention is to cultivate a community of leadership uh, within fintech. Um, And then finally, just uh, getting into intros. Like I mentioned, I work in the financial services space, but have a great um, respect uh, for uh, what goes on in the fintech space. And that's a key theme of our conversations with that, I'm going to pass
1: it over to Ambika. Thank you. Yeah, my name is Ambika Sharma. I'm in the I'm based in the Bay Area. I currently work for a big bank. But part of that, I was working for SoFi. And Ethan, I think uh, some of my former colleagues uh, from SoFi now work for you. I got a message that you guys sent out a notification for this call. So thank you for the for the publicity. Um, yeah, and sure. uh, uh, you got our IT guy, actually. <laughs> he was very dear to us. <laughs> Um, well, I'm very happy to have you here. So let's kick off with your intro. This is um, when we were doing research about you. This you are an entrepreneur who started at the age of 12. So tell us what you did at the age of 12 and where you are now.
2: Yeah. Well, first again, thanks so much for inviting me to hang out for a little bit with y'all. Um, I, I, for those who don't know, my name's Ethan Block, and I'm the founder and CEO of a fintech called Digit, and. Uh, I guess going back to your question, um, what was up to when I was 12? So I, I, so for whatever reason, I'm just wired in a way where I would do projects from a pretty young age and, and it could be anything. I didn't really know the word entrepreneur until I was in college and they're like, Oh, there's this thing, it's called an entrepreneur. And this is, I'm like, what is that? It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and it just so happened I had a really supportive family. And when I was 12 and, and 13, I'd started a number of different projects, but one of them was uh, a website, sort of an e-commerce website that was selling um, uh, PlayStation and Dreamcast accessories online. And uh, it was called, I used to thought it was a great name. It was called Block Hardware. My last name is Block, B-L-O-C-H. So it's like B-L-O-C-H-A-R-D-W-A-R-E dot Um, yeah, and and uh, I don't know. I think we had maybe like twenty, thirty thousand dollars worth of sales at, at some point, and at the end of the summer, and when school started back, I think I ended up winding it down uh, and move on to the next project.
1: Got it. So, how did you come up with the plan or with the idea of starting Digit?
2: Yeah, so you know, Digit in a lot of ways um, was was um, a long, it, it was sort of forming over a long part of my life. Um, And again, so so for those who don't know to characterize a little bit, you know, Digit is an app that helps people uh, manage their money in a way that's financially healthier. We help people build savings. We help people budget. We help people uh, control their spending. And we do in a way that doesn't require a ton of work, which we think is one of the problems with why it's so hard to manage your money because it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of knowledge. And the sort of arc to eventually get to Digit actually started with another project when I was around the age of 13, a little bit after Block Hardware. Um, I had started day trading in 1999 uh, with some of the money I got from my bar mitzvah. Um, My parents were crazy enough to let me do that. And, you know, 1999 anyone can make money. So I thought I was a genius and ended up losing everything actually in 2001. And, that's what sort it of started this curiosity right once I lost all my money at that point I realized I didn't understand anything about the stock market or finance and that I wanted to understand you know everything about it and I ended up going to school for finance and and it was largely just a, a following a journey of curiosity and I never thought I would start a business in finance or have a career in finance but um, uh, in school I started to get exposed to behavioral finance that that teaches us that we're just not really wired for this really complicated world that we've created. And it wasn't until actually I'd sold my first company, which actually built marketing software for small businesses, that I sort of had this space in, in life to say, okay, what am I going to do with a large portion of the rest of my life? And I started coming back and just thinking a lot about finance and thinking about the state of um, people's finances, at least in, in the U.S., and thinking about what I could do to actually make a difference and, and help people. And I started going back on some of the research I uncovered in college. And um, around 2012, I sort of made a commitment to myself to to spend a large portion of time. This would be for sort of my next project and, and think about how I could help people uh, financially. I know this is a long ass winded expo- response. So thank you for <laughs> hanging me through this. It's a long journey, um, but it 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 took another you know year or so. To even get to this insight of okay, I'm going to do something to help people, but what? Uh, the insight was to expect everyone one day to just wake up and be good at managing their money is crazy. Like even people that are really smart make money mistakes, and 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 even people that are above average IQ make money mistakes. And, and so the idea that all of us are going to make great money decisions is not real. And so. The way we think people um, can get financially healthier is by doing some of the work for them. And that was this insight that Digit was eventually founded on. And the first area we started to focus on was savings. And the question was, could we help people save who don't think they can save or who don't think they can save more? And Digit fully you know, got going you know, back in, in 2013 or, or 2014 as we started iterating around that initial idea. So thank you for sitting through that. I know that was a spiel.
3: No,
0: I, I mean, I, I think that definitely uh, goes in the direction of where we were trying to get to, Ethan, in terms of how you're making financial health effortless. Um, I, I mean, could you sort of double click on that effortless part of it, uh, which is a part of your mission, I believe, um, because the driverless car, the concept, how is it uh, playing out uh, in the saving space?
2: yeah yeah, so, um, we, so so we started with the focus on savings, and, the, and again the question was, could we help people save who don't think they can or, or don't realize they could save more, and what's the way in which we could actually do that? And so instead of again, just creating another savings account and, and saying, "Oh, here's the solution. it's a savings account. It's great, it's got high yield." We tried to unpack what stop what's preventing people from saving more? And, you know, what we learned was the sort of common recurring transfer that's espoused as like the thing to do in finance doesn't work for a lot of people. They don't know how much to transfer. They they don't, you know, they're nervous if they set it up, they might not have money in their account. And that's just not reality for lots and lots and lots of people. And so the way we made that effortless was by removing that decision or set of decisions altogether, instead of needing to set up a recurring transfer. You sign up for Digit, you know, you connect your existing checking account wherever it is you bank, and then you'd go back to living your life. And Digit would use the data from your checking account to inform its savings decisions, and each day would try and set aside an amount of money that you might not feel is missing uh, and don't need for bills. And, uh, again, nowadays this is more common, not just at Digit in in other products and services, but back then it was people thought we were crazy. And, you know, if you fast forward, we've helped – our members, you know, millions of members now save almost, I think it's even maybe crossing $6 billion this way. And so it's been um, more successful than we realized when we initially, it would be when we initially launched the service.
1: So Ethan, I want to go back to your early days with Digit. You mentioned that the idea was crazy back then. So how did you find your product market fit and how did you decide it was time to, time to scale?
2: Yes. Yeah, so there was a lot of iteration. Um, once it was, once we had this insight of okay, we're going to try and and sort of do do a set of financial tasks for people, or or um, again, do some of the work for them. The question was where to start, and we had aspirations then, as we do now, to introduce this approach to finance across your entire financial life: so spending, saving, uh, borrowing, and planning. But we decided to start with saving because we believe then is now it's, it's probably the most important aspect of someone's financial health. It's really hard to get ahead. If you can't save, it's also a, a great equalizer for people. And so we started iterating around different um, ways to make saving less work. And we um, were iterating first, just with us. We were con- back then it was uh, two of us and, um, we would build for ourselves and we had enough of a different, uh, different life experiences of carrying debt or living paycheck to paycheck that we could um, empathize with who we're building the product for. And so initially we were the users. And and so we built an experience that we found was useful. And then we shared it with a very small group of friends uh, all throughout the U S who weren't just like concentrating for, for people in the, in the Bay area. And, um, That was a really effective way for us to get feedback quickly. And we we arrived at this idea of moving money on behalf of someone as one of our iterations. And it started to work for us. And we started to get feedback from some of our early customers that this was useful. But however, this version would, you know, look at your checking account, decide an amount of money to move. And then it would ask you, it would actually send you a text message and say, hey, do you want me to move this? And in that early version, usually someone would say yes, you know, the first time they get it, they might ignore the second one and reply. No. And then sort of, you know, two plus N. And once you start getting more messages, we would just not get responses. And so this was a point in this early product. We were like, okay, we're kind of screwed. It's not working. We do not have product market fit. Um, We need to go back to the drawing board. And we were like, okay, well, let's just actually talk to some of the customers that have been using it. And we're like, Hey, Anna, like, you got the text. You replied yes. Like why? Why are you replying no? And why aren't you still using it? And she's like, "Oh no, I I, lo- I love it. It if you know the money's safe to move, though, just move it. I don't want another thing to manage." And we actually removed that text message. And it, it's not. It wasn't sort of overnight, but that was one of the key changes that really helped secure that last few things that got us to product market fit. Where we we're then hearing from customers who were raving, they were asking us if they could invite their friends, which us is always a sign that you're onto something, as if someone's you know voluntarily asking to invite friends or family. Um, and so that's that was sort of one of the things that eventually led to our product market fit. And then it was still quite a long journey to scale from there, because again, we're dealing in you know financial technology, it's not just pure software, we do have to move money, we do have to hold funds. We do have to follow a lot of rules and and laws and regulations. And so it took us another year or so to get it fully compliant. And then we ended up launching in in February of 2015, um, the product originally.
1: Got it. Thank you. So on your journey of finding product market fit, you talk to customers. I'm curious if you would have some insight as to why people don't save or what are some of the impediments that they face in meeting their personalization goals, let's say buying a house or just even getting a car.
2: Yeah. Well, big one is for a lot of people, it just feels better to spend at least in the short run.
1: Short run. And right. we, you know,
2: yeah. And we live in us, you know, we live in a culture largely that um, uh, values buying stuff, and we talk to our customers now, this is still a huge impediment to saving more is, is sort of just spending it. Uh, it's so, you think about the amount of intelligent people that have tried to make it easy for you to buy something instantly online with credit on your mobile phone, wherever you are in the world. Um, it's just so easy to spend money. Um, and so that's, that's a big one. And then when you get into the actual like tactical bits of saving, it's hard for people to know how much they can save. When you Google it and you get to a blog, they'll they'll share usually like, hey, I'll save 10% or 20%. That's just not reality for most people. It, their income and bills are fluctuating. Um, and so it's just hard to know how much to save. And that's not even getting to what you're saving for. If you're saving for something, then there's additional work you need to do to understand what it is and how long it's going to be from now. And there's a lot of work that people would rather do other things in their life than, than figure that out. Is again, what we continue to see and, and learn um, in, in terms of the way our customers think about this.
0: So Ethan, when you talk about customers, who are the customers who seem to be facing this pain point that you're solving for? Um, you know, is there like an age or a life segment? Um, just trying to understand uh, where the appeal is.
2: Yeah. So we, you know, we've, have, we have customers, you know, all, all the sort of different demographics you could walk through using digit, the sort of two segments that definitely we sort of over-index on, um, uh, they have a couple of things, a, a bunch of things in common. One is just age. So they're likely in their late twenties, early thirties, um, uh, uh, um, uh, a majority of Digit's customers identify as non-male. And so I think this is depending what survey you will look at. You know, 60, 65% will identify as non-male. And again, in financial services, that's typically, that's uh, un- pretty r- not usual. Um, and then um, in terms of these two segments, their, their financial life is quite different. We have one segment, who is really stressed about their money? They uh, struggle to make ends meet each month, or you know they might have made one or two decisions earlier on in their life that have set them back financially, and so they're working out of you know whatever that debt might be or the, the sort of career path that not sort of working out for them, uh, and they see digital as a way to start making progress that they otherwise couldn't, and start saving for the first time, start paying down debt uh, in a way that they can see and the way that gives them hope. Um, and then the other segment is, is quite different. They, you could think about them much more as sort of a, a young professional that um, sort of makes enough money and, and has a, a handle on their sort of day-to-day, week-to-week living expenses, but feels like there's a lot they don't know that they should be doing. And they see is that a way to start filling in some of those gaps. And a big one can be uh, saving in a way they didn't know they could, saving even more money. And they'll start using that to plan for different life events whether that's travel whether that's family planning, whether that's a wedding or something like that. They'll sort of use Digit to, to make progress in, in a way they didn't know they, they could.
1: So, Ethan, would you say that it would be fair to say that Digit is a micro savings app?
2: Yeah, I think that's what we're best known for today. I would say that okay. is fair.
1: Um, so how do you distinguish yourself against your competitors?
2: What really depends on the competitive set, you know, there's so many great and just incredible products in fintech now, it's hard to believe how much, uh, how much growth there's been in this sector in the last 10 years, uh, or sort of eight, you know, seven or eight years that Digit's been operating. And so again, it really depends on, on who um, we compare ourselves to. I think the thing for us that is certainly makes us unique in, in how we prioritize product and build product and it certainly makes us unique in in why customers choose us is we are just insanely focused on financial health. It dictates the way in which we build our products. It dictates the problems that we solve for our customers, uh, like saving and debt reduction, preventing overdrafts, controlling spending. Um, It dictates how we make money. You know, digital subscription product that costs $5 a month uh, for a lot of, Different products and services, people are used to getting it for free, or they don't exactly know how the company makes money. For us, we charge a subscription because it enables us to just stay focused on improving financial health. And it it makes so we never sort of forget who we're working for. We're not trying to drive more volume or more loan volume or more spending volume or anything like that. Um, And we've also done, um, you know, studies ever since we were a really small team around our impact on our customers' financial health. And it's also something that's pretty unheard of in financial services. And we published a white paper last year that just goes through as you follow a Digit customer over their journey at different income uh, spectrums, like what actually is the financial impact Digit has on them. And so I think that that still today makes us unique. It's why customers use Digit. They can feel the difference when they're using Digit. Uh, it's why people pay for Digit. And again, it, it continues to prioritize our roadmap, which has brought us into you know, this new version of digit that we've been working on which is now sort of a fully functional bank account that we're calling digit direct
0: yeah I think both Ambika and I are on the on the waitlist uh, we will be
2: getting... oh, that's awesome
0: thank you so much <laughs> yes um, and uh, you just touched on the pricing briefly Um, subscription model is definitely something that's uh, a hit or miss, especially in the financial services space. How is that uh, value for service played out for your customers? Is there, you know, a a belief that the value delivered um, is worth it? Um, Just curious about that uh, psychology there.
2: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we, um, what's nice about charging, you know, for your product is that you get really quick feedback on how much people value it or don't, right? If they value it, they, they continue paying. And if they don't, they, they leave and, and, and churn. Um, and so, you know, the average Digit customer will save about $2,500 per year. And for, for some subset of customers, that's sort of the number, and again, it's different per customer, but they'll look at that to justify the subscription. And so, if Digit costs sixty dollars a year on average. You're saving twenty five hundred, and it's amount of money you don't believe you would have been able to save otherwise. For our customers, it becomes a no brainer for them. If another segment of our customers, again, you can use your Digit savings to prevent overdrafts from your checking account, wherever it is you bank. And you know the average Digit customer will have two less overdrafts in their first year on Digit than the year prior. That alone is sixty dollars. Um, depending where you bank. And again, sort of just pays for itself. Um, and you can you keep going on with like the debt pay down stats and interest saved. And so for the people that are more quantitative understanding the value of it, they'll look at those numbers to realize it's sort of a no brainer for them to keep using it. Um, and then the other the way that we, when we talk to customers and, and why they're willing to pay and why they love the service is they see what it does for them, right? You get to a point in life where, you know, you need to withdraw your savings to afford something that just came up last minute. And you don't have to ask a friend or family member. You don't have to borrow the money. It's just in Digit. So whatever you're using that withdrawal for is uh, really powerful for people to understand the value of what we're providing uh, at Digit.
0: Great. And I know uh, some of the other uh, services do offer sort of like a fee waiver, but it sounds like you've been very intentional about that pricing uh, to support of roadmaps and things like that
2: yeah it's right we've tried to keep it simple so again everything we do at digit is at one subscription price and we've launched additional features over the years so you know you can just save in cash goals in digit if you want to start working towards retirement you can open a retirement goal It's a fully sort of diversified portfolio at a tax managed account. you can open up an invest account which again will be a diversified portfolio that's risk adjusted. Um, we have overdraft prevention and all of it. There's no additional cost. There's no AUM fee from us on the investment products. It's all just $5 for everything that you get with digit.
1: Got it. So in terms of product evolution, you touched on a bank account that you're launching. Could you tell us more about it? Um, I'm on a wait list. So is Manisha, but I would love to learn more about it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to. So we're launching a product. uh, Again, there's a wait list. It's called Digit Direct. And it is, uh, simplest way to put it, you know, it's a fully functional bank account that is powered by digits intelligence. And, you know, over the years, as, as we've learned more about our customer and more about what people want help with, we, we continue to hear from people that they wanted, um, more help budgeting and, and they maybe not say it in that, that way, but they'd say, oh, I want to, I wish it was easier to control my spending. I wish it was easier to know that I'll have the money for my bills to, so I can pay them on time and in full and not have any late fees. I'd like to make even more progress faster on my savings. We started to do a lot of this and, and work towards this in the current version of Digit that, again, sits alongside your, your bank account, whatever it is you bank. But we started to hit some of the limitations of the sort of payment infrastructure in the U.S., largely ACH, and the speed in which we could move money to and from Digit and so it created this world where we really couldn't help you set money aside for your bills because we just can't move money fast enough where you can get it back fast enough to pay your bill when you need to. We, we can't really help you control your spending again if we move into Digit because we can't get it back to you fast enough. And so this led to us eventually realizing for us to get to this next um, really wave of innovation, we would have to build you know, a standalone bank account that comes with its own debit card. You can deposit money directly into it. You can pay your bills from it. You can spend money from it. You can set up your savings goals in it. Um, But what will happen is, you know, when you deposit comes into the account, Digit will do some math and and help move some money aside for bills, help move some money aside for savings and and investing and and make sure you have enough in spending so you can afford the things you're you're still buying. Uh, And then each day, it'll sort of take things that happened into account during the day and it might adjust a little bit overnight. Um, and so that, that's sort of what we've been working on and, and what we're going to be releasing soon sort of is a quick summary.
1: Got it. Thank you. So we only have two minutes left to the moderated session, and then we'll open up the floor to the audience. So the last question I guess I want to ask uh, of the list we didn't get to ask is on open banking. Um, we here are a fan of the open banking, what open banking can do here in the United States. And I think you were one of the first movers or early movers of open banking. So just curious to get your thoughts on how has that played out, the use case played out for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, when you say open banking, you mean largely like access to data. Correct. At financial institutions. Yeah. Yes. It's been a long journey. It still is. Uh, in the U S there's still a lot, a lot more to, to happen. Um, you know, we've definitely been one of the benefactors of plaid and yodli originally. Um, and you know, I think some of the work that's been happening, uh, in, in actual in government over the years has been, it's been kind of amazing to watch the regulators, uh, watch the executive branch, um, be listening to innovators and banks to figure out how to get us to a place where customers can own their data and they can move it between apps and they can connect any app to any account. We're still really far, I think, from from where we could be. It's still, you know, the data quality we have today is okay. The uh, um, exhaustiveness of it is pretty limited. It's still not, you know, you still can't get all of your data wherever it is you bank or have a credit card out of that institution into another app. Um, and I still think that until it's more open and, and more free, it's just going to continue to hold back innovation, which largely will benefit consumers. It might hurt profits of banks and institutions, but it certainly would help consumers to have the data be more freely accessible and, uh, and transferable between
1: apps and products. We agree with you. Almost every show we do uh, touches on that. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's 5.30 uh, here in the Pacific time zone, so we'll open it up to the audience. So um, there are some party hats that indicates that you guys are new to the platform. There are two ways to ask questions. You can either raise your hand. There's a hand icon on the bottom right. If you click on that, we'll bring you up on stage. So uh, Eileen, here you are. Uh, I just sent you the invitation. So welcome, Eileen. Just give me one minute before you introduce yourself. Um, and the second way to ask a question is if you're not able to come up and speak, you can text it to us. So there's this feature called um, back channel. It's an arrow. If you click on that, uh, that will get you to either send me or Manisha a message and we can read it on your behalf. So with that, Eileen, over to you. Welcome back. If you want to introduce yourself and ask your question.
4: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. My name is Eileen. Um, I am in product uh, at a large bank uh, and I work in the A robo advisor space, Um, and I'm a big fan of Digit. um, Super innovator, early innovator. Um, Love the work there. And you know, as as kind of an early innovator, my question is, you know, how do you think about the journey um, for customers who are trying to to really better their financial lives um, now that you've sort of been in this space for a while? Um, Because I I think what's always been challenging. one of the challenges to innovate around that area is that it's very much kind of developing something that you that you can bring to market but that's a a a moment in time not you don't get the longitudinal analysis or data of like well what is this journey like when you're halfway through and you're slogging it out to get to your goal or to get to your um your savings target and you know and, and just understanding sort of that um, the nature of it, right. That it is saving can be hard or improving your finances can be hard. Um, and, and how do you, how, how, are you thinking about that now, um, versus kind of at your, at your launch? Thank you. This is Eileen. I'm done speaking.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Eileen. Um, do y'all want me to take this?
1: It's only for you.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. I just helpful. Thank you. Um, So I think it's similar then as now, but we're much more, it's like higher fidelity and we're just more educated for a lot of, this is true even outside of finance, but it's all about uh, perceived progress and small steps, irrespective of the goal, and especially financial goals, they can seem daunting if they're far out and they're big and they seem far away. And so what we find, you know, the journey is really important and and it's really important to feel like you're making wins and see progress, even though you're not getting all the way there, you know, overnight, it feels like you're making progress and you can see the progress and that's what keeps you committed to the goal and, and coming back versus just failing hard. And so, you know, Digit, we've baked this into the way it'll celebrate and update you along the way towards a goal and We'll send you different messages of encouragement. It's one of our most loved features early on. And we continue to take that towards other things that we help people with now uh, in regards to, you know, goals they
1: might set related to their money. Eileen, any follow-up or is that okay for you?
4: Um, Yeah, well, I I think that that's, um, that makes total sense. And I think that that's a, you know, a great um, kind of white hat gamification, you know, is that, is, is using moments and, and small wind to sort of think of progress on a game board, kind of, you know, on a journey, right? I guess what I was just wondering is if there's, I mean, have you learned anything, or like if you had any aha moments or is there something like kind of beyond that, I guess, that you can only learn from sort of that long-term observation? And maybe not. Maybe it, you said it kind of is consistent with what you thought at the beginning. Um, But yeah, that's that was just sort of the, the point of interest that I had. Thank you. This is Eileen.
1: I'm
2: done speaking. Got
1: it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Aileen. Uh, sorry. Thank you. Eileen. Um, over to you, Sean.
2: Hi, I'm uh, Sean Scott and I am a principal product manager at a, a big, uh, big bank as well, <laughs> working with uh, Ambika and Monisha, although they'd never uh, admit to it. Um, I've, <laughs> uh, I've been a huge fan
5: of, of sort of a digit for, for a long time. So you've gotten probably a bit more than
6: 60 bucks from me. Um, so much, <laughs> no problem. I just love the like, like you said. I think that sort of that insight that hey, you know, if
2: if, if everybody was smart enough to save, oh. I think we yeah. lost them. Oh no! Okay, we we'll <laughs> just dropped out. <laughs> Cliffhanger, <laughs>
0: Mike.
2: Uh,
1: Pius, over to you.
3: All right. Uh, thank you, Manisha, for bringing me up. Uh, my name is Piyush Malik, and I am not in FinTech. However, I understand a little bit of data and AI ML. Uh, so my question is, Ethan, I'm on your wait list. And uh, uh, while I have not used your product yet, my question is, how do you assure prospects or users that their data will be safe and be um how do you intend to monetize the data um if at all you have any plans to sell or something like that we would like to know
2: yeah first thanks so much for being on the way list um i'll take the second one first we um so digit we principally and then also um just how we operate the company in in our terms we don't sell any customer data or or have any intention to, to ever do that this is part again of our business model of just charging for the subscription Sets us up to not have to sell data, not have to advertise, not have to do lead gen, et cetera, uh, et cetera. So um, we'll never
3: uh, sell your data. Um,
2: uh, can you just clarify the first question that you had?
3: My question was regarding uh, how do you keep your data safe um, for the consumers, and uh, I'm assuming compliance to all GDPR and all those things uh, will be will be in effect, CCP and. Yeah. So we, um, we
2: don't, uh, if I'm understanding this correctly, you know, digits, U S only. Um, and then in turn, in terms of some of our, you know, privacy requirements, they're, they're stricter than a you know, typical software app because we're a financial service. So we have to adhere to the Graham Leach Wiley privacy and information, um, regs and, and requirements, um, In terms of keeping our data safe, you know, we um, uh, I'm not going to get too deep or nor can I get too deep technically. Um, It's above my pay grade, but, you know, we do a set of things in in regards to customer data and how we store it, how it's anonymized, um, access control, um, uh, sort of PII information versus non-PII and how that's stored. And you could think of us, you know, doing the set of best practices that you'd expect from, you know, a well-run financial institution in regards to how we we keep our data and control access to the data.
3: Thank you. And if I may uh, ask, um, hopefully your data is on a cloud, and uh, we won't have any outages like what we saw with Facebook.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I hope not. I mean, again, thing you know, things can occur. Uh, in the world that we we can't account for or predict but that's why we have plans uh, so when stuff does go wrong we can quickly quickly act but yeah uh, I, I would hope so as well
3: thank thanks. you
1: thanks Biju. um deidre if it's okay i would like to go back to sean uh, who had dropped out hi sean welcome back i hope your audio is stable this time it's not stable <laughs> okay deidre over to you welcome
5: Hi, here I am. Thank you. Sorry, I'm listening to this conversation as I'm cooking dinner, and I was draining pasta. Nice.
2: What type of pasta?
5: Love, love. I actually love to I love pasta too much. My my clothes can oh, tell you. Um, so, um, as she said, my name is Deirdre. I'm actually um, a UX researcher, and I'm really curious thinking about um, thinking about your primary. Um, audience those people that like have trouble saving and you know with the average savings being twenty five twenty five hundred no two no two thousand five
2: hundred yes yep that's correct per year
5: yeah so I'm wondering if you can give us an example of what the pandemic has has taught you about how to about how to work with such clientele. I mean, it's been a, it's been a hard couple of years for a lot of people. Sure. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if you can give us an example of, of what you've learned or what you've changed for your clientele.
2: Yeah, so we, you know, um, you know we've many different walks of life of folks who use Digit. Um, and so there was clearly this uh, difference, you know, and especially when the pandemic first hit of those that work in the service economy and those that do not, Mm -hmm. Um, those that work in the gig economy, those that do not. And and so we saw uh, pretty quickly a difference. I can't remember the exact stat, but I want to say around a third of our customers were sort of directly impacted in terms of their wages initially. Mm -hmm. But what we also saw was due to the sort of stimulus and the additional unemployment, um, they, you know, even though they had... Lost their job in in this in sort of that period of time. Their income, uh, their income was somewhat stable. And when it initially happened before the payments are being made, you know, we were getting tons and tons of emails about how grateful people were to have savings Mm -hmm. in Digit with that uncertainty and and oh my god, I set this up and I'll never not have this set up now. And this is why I did this to begin with is to have this. And so it seemed like because there was a shock in the economy, like just saving became even more important. And so what we actually saw, even though there was lots of withdrawals um, with the stimulus plus saving becoming more important, we we had some of our biggest months of saving ever last year at the start of the pandemic, money coming actually into Digit. Um, And we've seen that savings, You know, while some of it's been spent down, we've just seen people saving more. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a combination of the stimulus and not spending your money because you're not going anywhere, um, but also it being more top of mind for people to have savings to be able to weather a, a financial shock.
5: Mm-hmm. Is that something you expected for people to actually save more? It's counterintuitive, really, if you. Um,
2: yeah, you know, we not- I agree. We did. We did not. Um, you know, as many of us that start the pandemic, we're like. What the fuck's going to happen to the world? <laughs> so yeah. like, what, what's going to happen to our business? What's going to happen to the world? Um, you know, and, and we were sort of waiting to to see. Um, and so, yeah, that that was definitely unexpected. We were concerned. Oh, maybe we're going to lose a lot of customers because people are going to start cutting expenses. We didn't see that either. Um, and so that was counterintuitive. And What we sort of lived through over the last eighteen months. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.
1: You, yeah, think you should write question. a white paper on that if you haven't already. <laughs> we
2: haven't. No, we haven't.
1: Cool. Um, over to Anton now. Hi, Anton. Welcome back.
5: Uh, hi. Uh, my name is Anton. I, I work at a very large bank, uh, and I kind of had the open banking technology space there. Uh, a question for you. Um, you know, is digit more like a digital double for a personal financial assistant? That's the first part of the question, and the second part is: um, the gig economy is growing by leap and bounds every year, right? Like, uh, and w- how can uh, digit help? Uh, you know, the temporary workers participating in the gig gig economy.
2: Yeah, I think I think the second one, you know, real quick. Um, I think there's it depends on what you know what part of the gig economy you're working on. If if you need to withhold your own taxes, or if you don't, and um, how that works but it, it's even transcends Digit right it, it, if you're in the gig economy um, I think using the different tools that are out there today like Digit to help save more to help make sure you have the money for your taxes there's just so many great tools to make this easier I think there's even and I'm, the name is eluding me top of mind there's even you know fully full staff neobanks focused just on gig workers now and I would look into that um, not you know I'm happy to plug any company that I think is doing great work. Um, so I would just take a look and, and look at the whole industry and see what tools you could be using to just make your job uh, easier, make your financial life easier, being that um, the way you make money can be lumpy and it can burden you with certain things you didn't realize you would have to pay or, or sort of outlay. On the first question, um, can you just clarify that for me? Is,
5: is the platform uh, more a digital double for a personal financial assistant?
2: And a, a, a digital double, do you mean like it's... Um, it, it's, it's a digital it's version digital.
5: of a personal financial assistant.
2: Got it. Got it. Yeah, it's a, it's, this is a great question. We thought of ourselves a lot like this in the very beginning. For those who don't know, Digit started primarily as a text-based you, you'd SMS text in. You could log into the website and see your balance, but you would give it instructions over text. It would keep you updated over text. We really saw ourselves as that assistant. Um what we learned over the years and, and really how we think about it now is there's a lot of use case in assistant and, and quick interactions but what we believe is is products the financial products themselves should be intelligent and so instead of us you know building an assistant and building a bank account we thought about you know what are the things you would want your bank account to do for you well you want to set your money aside so you can pay your bills you don't set your money aside so you can save and so the, the sort of bank account itself is intelligent Uh, So you don't want to see that as an assistant as much as it's sort of making these products themselves have, you know, software and technology that makes them uh, intelligent to make the job easier for you.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thanks, Anton. Hi, Tammy. Over to you.
7: Hi, good evening. Tammy Fleming, Financial Services. Uh, business initiatives focusing on innovation, emerging tech, third party risk. Um, and Ethan, coincidentally, I grew up on Wall Street. So I have to ask the question, first of all, are you still day trading?
2: No, no. <laughs> I've, I've, okay. uh, yeah, I've been, done, I've been done that for a long, long time. I was, you know, doing it in the 90s when other people were doing it then too and thought they were geniuses.
7: Okay. So, so it, 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 it won't, it won't eventually, be a, a a product of Digit then, or actually, can I, can I circle back on that? Um, so you're currently offering ETFs as part of the saving program. I, is that correct? And, and yeah, how does do. that work? So are you, are you, are you the, are you clearing or do you go through a broker dealer or are assets held by the transfer agent or will it all fold into your Digit direct product and, and are there fees associated? How does that work?
2: Yeah, so so in the current version of Digit today, you know, end in Digit Direct, you can open up uh, an investment account and a, a retirement account. Digit uh, we have a subsidiary that's a registered investment advisor. Uh, we work with Drive Wealth uh, to actually you know hold cost, open a customer accounts, hold customer funds, transfer funds. Uh, Drive Wealth is the broker dealer, um, oh. and Digit's the registered investment advisor. And in in our particular case, you know, if you put money into the investment account, it goes into an iShares ETF. If you put money in the retirement account, it goes into Vanguard ETFs. And there's no uh, there's no digit fee for any of that. There's no digit AUM fee. There are, you know, the ETFs themselves will carry an expense uh, ratio expense fee, but there's nothing additional from digit.
7: Okay. Okay. interesting. Um, And. You know, you talked about the the new Digit Direct product and all of the the, the hoops and the learnings you're going through, right? Being a um, financial services regulated um, industry. Thinking on that in, in your journey, what is your your biggest challenge that you think right now that you are you're, you're working to solve for? Um, Two questions, actually, what's your biggest challenge and and is that also your biggest risk or where do you, where do you feel you're going to have your products going to have the the most risk?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, one of our biggest challenges is just um, uh, getting the products right that we build. You know, we're not a digit, we, we don't, you know, we're not just building replicas or clones of other products that are successful in the market. We're really trying to build a new type of bank account uh, that again is intelligent and and makes all the things we we have to do easier in regards to managing our money. And it just takes time to get right and to get right for the customer. And so getting the product right and and innovating in a way that really adds value and makes sense to the customer is definitely one of our biggest challenges. It's why people come and join digit today and join the team. It's because they want to work on those challenges with us. Um, and then, you know, the, the risks for us, yes, I mean, there's lots of risks, internal risks and, and external risks. I think that um, we, um, you know, one external risk is, it's, it's happening in fintech. Fintech's so big now, um, the way in which fintech's regulated can change and how it's regulated and, and, and who it's regulated by um we're in an era now where it's it's front and center for different regulatory bodies and so you know there's this risk that people don't understand what digit does or what other people in our space do and they can make rules that could really affect the way the product works and so you know we spend a lot of time talking to regulators publishing white papers showing what we're doing so we can be on the forefront but again it's a big it's a big risk for our whole industry
7: yeah yeah well keep up the great work. And I think um, you're collaborating with the financial health network, right? Jennifer Tesher. Yeah, we have.
2: Yeah. 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 We were in the lab originally and and we've kept in touch with them over the years as well. And they've been a great ally of ours and and supporter. We have a great deal of respect for all the work that they've done and appreciate them deeply.
1: Great. Great. Well, good luck. Continued.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Tammy. Hi, Vinny. Welcome back. It's been a while. Yeah, thanks Ambedkar.
6: Uh, I, Vineet, I work at one of the big banks in the fintech space as well. And even the work that you are doing at Digit is very close and uh, dear to my heart as well. I mean, I'm passionately involved in this uh, side of the work myself as well. So the question for you, um, is, uh, subscription model, right? So, uh, how did you arrive or at the $5 a month subscription and my, Next question to that is, what are the moments when you see a churn uh, within the digit, uh, from the customer's perspective, and are there any specific retention methods that you are you've tested and have been successful around?
2: Yeah, so we digit started um, so digit started actually free originally, and then about two years after we launched, we uh, made it a totally paid product that was three dollars a month. And we arrived at three after doing some market testing and some demand testing and and actually um, funnel testing to understand what it would do to our funnel and what it would do to the unit economics of the business and then how quickly we could grow. And so that's how we arrived at three. And then back then there was just, you know, saving for a single rainy day fund. And there was none of these other features that I've, that I've walked you through. And so as we've added these features over jet prevention, investing, uh, retirement, we uh, changed the price as we believe we were adding more value. And again, we tested and under, tried to understand what the, the marginal churn of the marginal dollar would be. And then arrived at this $5 price, believing that for most people that, that pay for digit, they would still pay considerably more. We're not really trying to profit maximize, but we're just trying to make sure we can grow and cover our expenses. And so that's how it's at $5 today. And our general philosophy is to have a little price lag value and so as we add more value, we want to add more value, add more value, and then we'll slowly change the price. And so we, you know, again, change the price once so far, um, but it's likely we would change the price again in the future or maybe at some point uh, have different price points as well. Can I ask you a
6: question just on that? So um, sure. have you seen customers leading Digit um, because of that or they, they were so much, uh, so very much bought into the value proposition that, you didn't see any uh any drops with the price change.
2: Yeah, when we originally went from free to paid, we definitely saw customers sure. leave. Um, we also found that customers who stayed were were of you know more retentive and of higher quality, just just more more engaged. Um, and then when we raised the price to three to five, we saw some churn, mm-hmm. but it was very small. Sure. Um. Uh, uh. In terms of in terms of that got it um, and my, my last
6: question was though around thinking about like what are the moments of churn leaving the price change perspective so are there any other uh, specific moments that you see where the customers drop from the digital digit experience
2: yeah a big one will be that you know digits just not working for them and this could be for a variety of, of reasons um, it's not saving enough it's saving too little They've had a bank connection issue. You know, we're still plagued by that because we are, uh, again, we require a data connection to your bank account in order to make savings decisions. And so if the bank resets the connection or messes with the connection or something breaks, that can just be frustrating. We've all experienced that as consumers when we connect accounts and we have to go and reset it. Um, And so that that can be quite painful for the customer and quite a, a big source of churn for us. It's keeping those accounts connected and, and not faulty with their bank account. Um, but I'd say the biggest one, again, is just people not seeing it saved the way they want. Got it. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, even. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the questions.
1: Thanks, Vinith, And over to Zach, who looks like is new to Pubhouse. So hi, Zach. Welcome.
5: Hi. Thank you. Yeah, my name is Zach Jung, and I also am a product manager at a large banking institution. I did have one question about your acquisition strategy for new customers. I know you mentioned earlier that um, many of your customers are in their upper twenties and early thirties. So how does that acquisition um, of new customers differ between the different age cohorts?
2: Uh, I don't know how it differs between the age cohorts, top of mind. Um, You know, in general digits grown over the years, through one of, one of our largest sort of sources of growth has been through customer referrals. So we have like an incentivized referral program, uh, and then also just through organic people word of mouth talking about Digit, sharing Digit, um, uh, different folks writing about Digit, and even when we launched and we had much smaller user numbers, this has been a consistent source of growth even to now. And then we started actually, you know, spending money on marketing um, a few years ago, and so that's also been a source of customers now over the years.
3: So I think
5: building off that, you mentioned that there's sort of an incentive program. How does that work, and and what does that look like? Um, not sure if you're you're willing to share what that incentive is, but <laughs> um, just more curious there.
2: Yeah, we've iterated on this a bunch over the years and then tried different things and there's no, um, no silver bullet in here and, and no, you know, nothing I'm going to share. It's like, Oh, it's genius. It's things that many companies have done before us uh, on the referral program specifically. But, you know, today there's a program and it, it actually changes depending how long you're on digits. So there's a referral program. I think it's in your first 30 days, uh, 30 to 90 days, and then 90 days plus and, and the program will actually change and it will incentivize you differently Um, and pay you a different amount depending how many people you bring on. And then also the person signing up gets a a bounty, a referral bonus as well.
5: Awesome. Very cool.
1: Thanks, Zach. So there are a couple of questions that came through the back channel. Um, I would like to read one. One of them is from James Sontag. He's an engineer for a fintech company. And he says, and I read, uh, Digit has a feature called instant withdrawals that boasts transfers to settle within minutes for only 99 cents. Can you talk about the underlining process that is used to provide such a quick wire-like settlement for a much lower cost?
2: Yes. I yeah, love this question. We spent so much freaking time trying to figure this out over the years. Um, so that feature and also our overdraft prevention feature, if, uh, uh, we'll use this as well and move money back to your checking account instantly. And if it's in the overdraft prevention feature, there's no additional fee for that. It's included in your membership. If you do a manual withdrawal, like you described, you have the option of sort of the standard ACH time or this instant time for 99 cents. So this is powered uh, by JPMorgan Chase. They, um, they sort of uh, uh, led the launch of the Real-Time Payments Network, the acronym is RTP, and uh, it's only credits, and we were a launch partner for them on this. And they've been a great great partner of ours in a bunch of different ways over the years. Um, that's how that's powered. And so it's over ACH, um, and it's pretty brilliant because it's instant. Like, the customers get their money faster than they get the text. And we don't have to have the customer, you know, take out a debit card and do it over debit push or MasterCard send, um, which also has a higher – it tends to have a higher cost as
1: well. Got it. Thank you. And then I got two questions, but they're around the same topic. And that is when you when are you launching um, Digit Direct, the bank, the bank account?
2: Yeah. So we you know, we've been inviting some folks off the wait list already. And so that's that's happening. Uh, So if you're on the wait list again, thank you for being on the wait list. And thank you for your your patience as we sort of have a controlled uh, invite and, and roll out of this. And I believe um, we're intending to have this be available, you know, generally available by the end of this year. And so we'll we'll send our waitlist invites and anyone who signs up for Digit will be able to get access to this by the end of the year.
1: Wonderful. Thank you. Over to you, Manisha, for the closing and any questions that there might be. Um, actually, no, I, I was just going to
0: say we'll be waiting, Ethan. So, you know, you've got well wishers in this group. Uh, would love to you so uh, much. settling as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, I know uh, you, you have a family dinner to go to. I never want to be late to that. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and everyone in the audience and those who came up on stage or through back channel, asked questions. Um, this was a great conversation, Ethan. Thanks for sharing all the insights. I know savings is. Like you pointed out, a lot more people working on the credit and loan side of things than on the savings side of things. So very glad to hear what you're doing uh, for the good cause and... um hope to stay in touch. Uh, for those who joined us today, please remember, we do have a website, fintechcafe.org. Uh, we will be posting this conversation shortly and we have some of our previous shows there as as well. And then we'll be back here next week. Um, same time with, uh, the head of product at Tally. With that, Ethan, any final parting words, um, before we close?
2: No, thanks so much for having me. And uh, thank you for creating this community. Clearly, you're, we're finding you know, our people. And thank you for spending the time to do that. You all are awesome.
1: Thank you, Ethan. Really appreciate you coming on for this. All righty. See you all. Have a, have a good evening, everyone. Thank you.